MPB Think Radio. This is Now You're Talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Hey, we have two special guests today. One is triathlete magazine cover guy, Joey Lee, who lost his wife to cancer and has healed in a very unique way. And we'll also speak with singer-songwriter Kobe Singleton, who began his career here in Mississippi, but has performed music all over the world. Call us today at 877-MPB-RING to join in on the conversation. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a great week. Of course, it's Holy Week, so... um, I tell you what, fantastic show today, and I'm very excited because, number one, I've got a friend in the studio. It's always good to hang out with somebody that you'd like to catch up with you hadn't talked to in a while. And he, you probably would actually recognize him if you go through the airport and stop at the magazine stand because he is now famous. He is actually on the cover of Triathlete Magazine, and he won the contest to, to get on the cover out of 474 entrance, entries, and yeah, he's on there. So, yeah, that's pretty impressive. And so a rock star, I guess, would be a good way of putting that. But um, all-around good guy. So Joey Lee is going to be in the studio with us as well as Kobe Singleton. And then here's a guy that started his career here in Mississippi, uh, but he's now performing all over the world, and he's going to be joining us here back in the studio. So it's going to be good to talk to him. And we're, of course, joined by Hollywood in there, who's was up, up until 1130 last night <laughs> filming. Yes. Yes. We're working on a, a secret documentary. I, know, um, I love that. I love the, <laughs> the secret part. Yeah, but apparently Facebook friends saw me because they were uh, messaging me while I was filming. Hey, I see you downtown. Oh, you're kidding oh, me. Yeah, oh, that's thanks. so funny. So, so your phone's going ding, right, ding. Right. Oh, we got to reshoot that thing. Ding. It's like, stop it. Yeah, stop it. Film is hard, man. I'm telling you, it's much tougher than radio. You have to do multiple takes from different angles. When we do radio, you're live and you just get it over with. But it is not the same in film. So. Exactly. You make the mistake. <laughs> you just keep moving on and so forth. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'd like to say it's that way when we film conversations. But for the most part part they got two cameras they're just going to basically do with what they've got to do but i'm really excited i can't wait to see you in in action and uh, you don't have to do a lot of memorization do you no i had to remember some lines last week and needless to say it was extremely challenging i mean it was like two paragraphs and i was struggling and said maybe i'm not eating the right foods to help me with a memory you need some you take fish oil take some brain food all that good stuff stuff. yeah exactly i've done that too i had to film a commercial recently and Mm -hmm. i had to memorize some lines and I never could memorize poems in school or mm-hmm. anything like that. And my family makes just horrendous fun of me because I can't remember song l- lyrics. Yeah. I mean, this song's probably been out. It's like something from the 80s. It's been out 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember the lyrics. I've sang it 5,000 times. So There has to be some kind of technique. And I was talking the other day with some friends about how unfortunate it is that now you don't get the CD with the words inside the CD cover like we used to. You I know, know it. I know now it. you just download it and it's, it's such a different experience. You're, di- you're disconnected. You don't get to see the thank you. 
cues and all that. So I kind of miss that. I really do because that's how I used to learn words to songs back in the day. I, me too. I now you got to Google it. You know, you look it yeah. up. You try to find <laughs> it, and usually it's some idiot has done it and it's wrong. Right. You know, and so so you're like. Um, like a, I remember the Jenna song, it's Invisible Touch. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember I dated a girl who thought it was like uh, something about some kind of invisible talk show. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if you think that, I probably shouldn't marry you because if you really can't get the song lyrics right. So, uh, <laughs> hey, did you see the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class got in? I did not. I heard about it. Uh, who all made it in? Okay. Well, not we, everybody. We but. got ELO. The Electric okay. Light Orchestra. We got Joan Baez was in there. Watch. You kind of have to wonder why she wasn't in like years ago, but that's right. okay. Journey made it in. Oh. And Steve Perry actually showed up on stage. And that's the first time he's been on stage with them in 26 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he didn't sing now. Arnell, uh, I can't remember Arnell's last name. Great, great singer and sounds mm-hmm. almost just like Steve Perry. But there was a great moment backstage where Arnell, who they found him on YouTube. From the Philippines. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It's amazing. And uh, they, the two met. And so Steve Perry gave him a big hug, which I thought was a really cool moment. So that's what yeah. the kind of stuff you get on that was cool. Tupac. Per- Tupac did. Absolutely. And he didn't show up. <laughs> uh, well, duh. Well, I know, but you never know. There are rumors. <laughs> Could have come in hologram form. They've I know. Done it, that that would have been scary. It is very kind of weird, <laughs> actually. Creepy. I know. I think maybe I need to put in my, do not bring me back in hologram form. Ever. Yeah. That would be bad. Um, but Tupac just had such a tremendous career in such a short amount of time. Oh, I mean, it's he amazing. Was 25 he was when he was killed. Truly like, like a meteor. Just, yeah. Yeah. Truly like a meteor. Mm-hmm. Yes. Reunited up oh. on stage, which mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Pearl Jam. Of course. My 14-year-old loves Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So it's like, okay, you're listening to my music. That's kind of <laughs> neat. You know, that's kind of cool. Is it by force or? No. Okay. No. You know what I did with him? Seriously. Because he truly hates some of the music today. Mm-hmm. I started him with the 50s and moved him all the way up through today so that he understood where, like, music came from, you know, rock and roll and understood. So he knew about the Beatles. He really, really loves some of the stuff from the 70s, like Led Zeppelin and so mm-hmm. forth. And then he got... Going in eighties, eh, not so much. But ca- so he's not a moving. Justin Bieber fan. No. Wow. No, no. no. If he heard you say that, he would he come in the studio right now. <laughs> he would. He would be really mad. I, we took him down to go see Jim Brewer over the weekend down at the Hard Rock. It was kind of cool on the coast. Oh, okay. So, How was that? Uh, this, he's amazing. Stand-up comedian was on mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. Was Goat Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, was very. That was his famous skit, I guess. On that, it was also Spring Break down there too. There's uh, a million and a half zillion <laughs> people down there. So I heard it was a it's a, a yearly celebration called Black Beach. Yes. So uh, you just lots of folks are out there on the beach having a good time because I saw it all over my timeline this weekend and I didn't know what was happening. They were on the beach. <laughs> they were on ninety. They were walking around in parking lots. They mm-hmm. were in past on the pass road. They were driving the wrong way on the road. Oh boy. They were smoking. Things that weren't, you know, while driving, while texting. And my son was like, you know, that texting will kill them. (laughs) It's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. So did Um, you uh, put a bikini on and just enjoy? I put a thong on like everybody else did. (laughs) Yes. There were a lot of. Please don't upload any pictures to Facebook. I didn't take any pictures. None of us want to see that. (laughs) I didn't take any pictures. In fact, I had to bleach my eyes when I got home because it's like, oh, I don't want to unsee that. Oh, boy. But, yeah, it was really fun. We took, of course, uh, my 14-year-old and his uh uh, best friend, so they, they mm-hmm. kind of got their eyes full too. But it awesome was, for them. It was fun, <laughs> and, and you know it was great. We got home like at two in the morning, so it, w- it was a good time. But it was great. I got five things you need to know for the week. Number one on the movies, Boss Baby repeated as number one. I know you saw that over the weekend. 
Boss Baby? Yeah, no, I didn't no, see I it. No, I don't even I know what that to, is. I'm trying to get my nine-year-old to go see it. It's an animated movie. It's got okay. Alec Baldwin playing a very Trump-like little baby. Mm-hmm. So it was really funny. <laughs> I, um, did, I did see the new trailer for Thor, the, the new Thor that's coming out in November. It looks really exciting. I did, too. And I'm not going to spoil anything here because it's in the trailer, but he has to fight the Hulk mm-hmm. at the end of that trailer. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really good. He, said, I, I he starts get, laughing. He's like, I work with him. Right. And he likes so me having to fight you. When I see a trailer and it's like the movie didn't come out until 2020, I'm like, why are you putting a trailer out so early and getting us all excited? And then it's going to be months or years until it's uh, out. You know what frustrates me? What? When you click on a trailer to watch it and you got to watch an ad before the trailer. Oh, It's like, what do you think the trailer is? is? The trailer's an ad, so I don't want to (laughs) watch two ads in a row. Right. And it's always the 30-second ad. Yeah. Which is a lifetime on the internet. That you can't skip. Mm-hmm. Never. Right. No, it drives me nuts. Number two was Beauty and the Beast. Number three was Smurfs, The Lost Village, which um, I can say safely I will never see. I Why? Know. Why not? Uh, I got my fill of the Smurfs in the 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, so no thanks. <laughs> uh, going in Style was number four and Ghost in the Shell is number five. Mm-hmm. The second thing is Sergio Garcia finally won the Masters. Finally. Yeah, it was a really exciting, you know. Golf is one of those kind of things. It's actually more fun to watch when you actually go there. So watching yeah. on TV, you know, all the whispering and everything. But that was really an exciting, exciting fi- finale for was that. Was Tiger so. in the running at all? Or? No. Oh, okay. But you know, it's been 20 years since he won his first Masters. Doesn't seem like it's been that long. Yesterday. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like yesterday. It's amazing. Uh, Russell Westbrook. Killing it. Broke the record. It was amazing. Oscar Robinson's mark of 41 triple doubles, and he got 42. He finally broke. That was, that was kind of like um, Mickey Mantle's. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, oh, Roger Maris's. The, the hits record. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I had a little baseball moment there. But it was, you know, or Babe Ruth's record. I mean, nobody ever thought they'd ever get broken. Yeah. And boom. He broke I mean, and, it. And, and, and he won the game and got 50 points. Yeah, he December. did it in an awesome fashion. And saw they hit that three-point at the end of the game. That wasn't even a three. To, that should have been a five-pointer. He was, <laughs> he was, he was way on. Line. Yeah, I know. He had like in a long-distance zip code there. So, But, yeah, it was a great shot. And happy for him because he's really stepped up this year and had a fantastic year. So. Well, yeah, after Kevin Durant left the Thunder, I mean, folks were just thinking they were going to go down the drain, and they absolutely have not. Russell has taken over, and he deserves MVP. For some reason, it's still being debated who I should know, get MVP. I, why? This guy broke one the biggest records ever and he has like you said brought the team up from what they thought was going to be yep. rubble they are a six c they're still in the playoff runnings i mean so that's just going to be awesome yeah i hope he gets mvp yeah good stuff and let's see number four this will make you feel a little bit better and warmer and fuzzier a u.s navy strike group is moving toward north korea <laughs> yeah i know yeah, all that happened over the weekend. Well, I had well. to, I had to really refresh myself on the Syrian civil war and just try to get a grasp on all these things. And over four hundred thousand people have been killed yeah, there. Yeah, a lot incredible. of bloodshed. Yeah, just horrible, horrible. Mm-hmm. The images that came out, of course, of the the chemical attack and so forth, they're just heartbreaking. Yeah, gas is going up. That's the bad news. It is. You might have noticed that. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when bombs start falling in the Middle East. Gas usually starts going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the good side, the, you know where the lowest gas prices in America are. But no, I don't wear. Right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Walmart for sure has low gas prices. And I mean, I'm a Kroger member, so I always get my little 10 cent off. Exactly. You 10 cent. Man, you need to have three teenagers. Oh. Yeah, we get like. You get a dollar? No, they give us money. (laughs) (laughs) They give us money. We buy a lot of groceries on that. So anyway, those are the five things you need to know as well. Cool. Very excited. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to bring Joey Lee into the studio. And I tell you what, you're going to love his story. Uh, Great guy and a lot of energy. And Pretty darn good runner, too. And, oh, uh, I have to mention here, he is on the cover of Triathlete Magazine this month. So uh, if you run into him, make sure you get his autograph as well. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I tell you what, the best of Mississippi. Now, we got a great show for you today. Thank you for joining us. We're going to have Kobe Singleton joining us a little bit later. And, of course, he's a singer-songwriter and started his career here in Mississippi, but now is worldwide, and we look forward to talking to him as well. Uh, the, our next guest is somebody that I've, I've gotten to know for a while, and not because I've ever run with him, because he can, believe me, outrun me, but he's not only a great guy, and he, he's just salt of the earth kind of fella. But he's also famous now because he is now on the cover of Triathlete Magazine. And, of course, Joey Lee. Joey, it's good to see you again. Thanks, Marshall. It's good to be here. You, um, you've you had quite a journey in your life. And, and I, first of all, I want you to tell everybody what you do now. I mean, what, what's your job? You know, you're just an average kind of guy. you got a got a child. Yeah, and... I, I work for Entergy now. I, I manage their communications department. And I'm married, and I have a daughter that's going to be five years old tomorrow. Let me ask you this. You work for Energy. Does your power ever go out? Yes. Does it really? <laughs> yes. I didn't know if you had like a special deal or something. Yeah, and I don't get a discount either. What? So, no. Okay. No. Okay. Well, I'm just checking on that. Uh, your story goes back good. You, you and I are about the same age, so you're you're pushing the, the big birthday in the 5-0 department, but you're 48, 49, somewhere in that 40, range. 48. 48. Sorry, I didn't mean to age you. <laughs> this is the second time I've already messed up, because number one, I said, I remember when you ran that 100-mile race in the desert, and you went, <clears throat> 150. Yeah, so, don't cheat me. Exactly. I'm not going to cheat you on your age either. You started running, gosh, with your dad almost yeah. when you were a kid, right? 10 years old, 1978. Yeah, so he gave you a love. Absolutely. We uh, Thankfully, we lived overseas and yeah. uh, so didn't start hunting like normal 10-year-olds, And uh, but I started running with my dad in 1978. And you've run almost every big kind of race like your first time with him. Yeah, I've run uh, my first 5K, my first 10K, my first half marathon, and my first marathon I all ran with my dad. Wow. So he's a good runner too. Yeah. 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 And he's still doing it. He is. He's still out there plugging away. So that's that's pretty awesome. But little did you know when you were running that first 5K or 10K that it would give you a coping strategy that would get you through some of your hardest times. I, I did not have any idea, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> so how old were you when you did your first marathon? 16. 16. 16 or 17. All right. Yeah. So I was like trying to eat as many Arby's as I could when I was 16, and you were out running marathons. Oh, well, I was eating some Arby's, too. I bet you were. <laughs> yeah, back, back then you could eat. It, you were a furnace yeah. back then. You just could eat fuel. Um, you went to LSU. I did. And you ran there. Uh, well, I you didn't, didn't run for yeah, them, but you, yeah. you still ran. Yeah, yeah. So you were – when did you get into triathlons? When I was at LSU, um, I had actually kind of – I stopped running and was kind of – going out a lot and lost and yeah. uh came home for the summer and was lifeguarding and started back running because i'd realized i'd gotten pretty bad out of shape and uh was riding my bike back and forth to work to save money on gas and and uh, a friend of mine was like hey I'm, I'm doing a triathlon i said triathlon that, that sounds fun i'll give it a shot and uh, so i borrowed somebody's bike and uh, and went out and did it and fell in love with it immediately and been doing them ever since. So for the uninitiated out there or those that are more like me and that like to sit on the couch and watch television, what is a triathlon exactly? Triathlon is a 
three sport multi event. It's it's swim, bike, and run mm-hmm. of various distances. Right. There's short ones on up to incredibly long ones. Yeah, like the Ironman. Yes. When you yes. see that, and that's almost like a marathon plus a hundred miles plus. Um, it's a two point four mile swim, a hundred and twelve mile bike, and then a full marathon running. People don't understand two point four mile swimming. It's a long way. It, it, it yeah, it's a long way. And with some of your closest friends, yeah, <laughs> getting beat up, <laughs> getting, by some yeah, of the, getting kicked some in the face and so forth. You know, you're so you're doing this, and how did you end up here in Mississippi? Um, I worked for Georgia Pacific, um, in out right outside of Baton Rouge, and a company called the Godwin Group in Jackson mm-hmm. did work for them, and so I got it. I got to know Donna Ritchie at the Godwin Group, and when that job was ending for me, I just mentioned to Donna, I said, "Hey, you don't have any openings, do you?" And she said, "As a matter of fact," and uh, that was 1996, and I moved up here with Godwin Group and. Uh, moved to the coast for about four years mm-hmm. since then, but otherwise I've been here ever since. You've been here ever since. Yeah. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. That's exactly. How did you? How did you meet your first wife, Allison? Uh, we worked together. Ah, there yeah. you go. It's easy. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was uh, match made in heaven. We um, we actually everybody thought we were dating when we were just friends, and then when we actually started dating, nobody believed we were. Tell us a little bit about her because she was pretty special. I, I don't. I don't know what to say, Marshall. She was uh, awesome. She yeah. was an incredible woman. She uh, she wasn't into into triathlons as much as I was, but she was always pushing me out the door, supporting me. And and when I wanted to sit at home on the couch with her, she'd be like, "I, I think you need to go run." Yeah. Uh, she loved to watch me race, and uh, so she she liked going to the beach races, mm-hmm. um, so she could have her beach vacation and I could race. So. Uh, she was a, she was a great woman. One day she came up to you and said, "Does this feel like a lump?" And that caused your world to pretty much go into a spin, didn't it? it I can I can hear the words to this day. Yeah, and that lump was melanoma. Melanoma, mm-hmm. like the melanoma. And she had had they never found her primary, did she, they? No, she had had a primary okay. removed, um, but it was it was six or seven years earlier. So yeah. we she was beyond that five year mark, sure. which you know very well, and and so we thought everything was was good to go and when when we found that lump and went to the doctor it was it really threw us for a loop for those who don't know melanoma is cancer the melanocyte it is skin cancer it's a very uh deadly form of skin cancer if not cut early basically once it punches through the dermis it's very difficult to treat and that really began and and anybody who knows her battle knows that she fought it with um incredible good humor and strength, and it was very inspirational, but yeah, tough. Yeah, she, uh, for almost two years, she fought it. We went to MD Anderson, we went to John Wayne Cancer Institute, um, but she fought it with strength and dignity. Yeah, she really did. Um, she did pass, and, and I remember that, just, I remember just feeling devastated for you, and I, I about the time I had my melanoma, yeah. actually, and, and uh, um, that really set you back but if it wasn't for triathlete triathlons wasn't for running um that became your therapy didn't it absolutely um some of our treatments when we were at md anderson we would be in the hospital literally for two to three weeks at a time and thankfully uh allison's parents were able to to allow me to stay in the hospital with her and the actually the only time i i would leave the room was to go run yeah and uh, so I'd go 
beat myself up for an hour and go right back. You, uh, number one, her parents are amazing people. Yeah. Just great folks. Uh, Number two, you figured out a very interesting way to honor her. Um, You decided to go for a little run to raise money. Yeah. Um, Tell us about that run, because I still remember you training for it. It's called the Marathon de Saab, Mm -hmm. and it is 150 miles uh, across the Sahara Desert. Okay. Okay. Self-supported. Yes. So so basically you had to carry your own water and food and I, so forth. I had to carry my own food and anything I, I needed, a safety kit. Yeah. Um, but they would give us water at different checkpoints along the route. How do you train for a 150-mile race? I just did a lot of long running. Yeah. I uh, would run to work. I'd run home from work. I'd run extra. I'd run weekends were consumed with running. How did you manage to run through all the traffic and all that? You must have picked your routes very carefully. Yeah, I actually would run right by these studios on the way home. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And you did it. You were successful. Yes, Um, I completed the the 150 miles. You did. And you continued. I remember you had actually won several different races and triathlons during that time, too. So you were really in incredibly good shape at that point. I was. Yeah. Yeah. And mentally, you were starting to get into better shape. Yeah, it took a while, yeah. but, but I, I came around. So you were out training one day in the reservoir. In the reservoir. And you bumped into something. Of course, in the reservoir, that could possibly be an alligator. It could have been, and I thought it was. Yes. <laughs> but thankfully, <laughs> and you start swimming faster. thankfully, it turned out to be a person. And a person who has changed your life Absolutely. for the better. Absolutely. Casey um, was my training partner for a long time, and, and we ended up falling in love and getting married. That's awesome. Yeah. So y'all actually can go do races together. Absolutely. We do all the time. So you, tomorrow, will have a five-year-old. I will have a five-year-old. It's not like you're going to be getting one from Amazon tomorrow. No, No. she'll be five tomorrow. She's four. It's amazing because I remember when she was born. Yeah. Um, Does she like to run? Have you got her out there yet? I'm trying not to be the pushy parent. You're not so, that dad uh, yet. She'll go ride her bike some, and she'll run every once in a while. But she's she's really into gymnastics. Oh, so really? She goes a couple of times a week. Okay, but you have uh, logged many miles with a baby stroller. Absolutely, I've I trained for the Boston Marathon, pushing her when she was a infant. Um, I've done I've done a lot of twenty three, twenty four milers with her, but we just went for ten yesterday. Really? Yeah. So the bo- which by the way yesterday was absolutely amazing day to run. Yeah, it was a great day. You've run the Boston. Uh huh. What was that like? It was uh, it was an incredible experience. I actually I qualified for Boston. We found out Casey was pregnant with Ginger, and she was due on Boston Marathon Day. Wow. So I contacted Boston. They said congratulations, but you're going to have to requalify. So I had to requalify, and we went back when Ginger was one. So yeah, yeah, but it, it's it's like no other marathon I've ever done. I could imagine because yeah. there's support the whole way. People the are just cheering. Twenty six yeah. miles. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And I, I would think that you cross that finish line and you just feel like you've done something incredible. Yeah, it was it was a it was a great day till the bombs went off. Yeah, or you were there that day. It was that year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How far ahead of you were you with the bombs? Because I know the bombs came a little bit later into the um, race. I was probably 35 or 40 minutes ahead of the bombs, which is good because my family and my entire family was right where the second bomb went off. You are kidding me. No. Yeah. Wow. So you guys basically held on to each other the whole night. You know, Pretty much, yeah. Tell us, um, where were you when the actual bombs went off? We're, I think we were... On the subway, headed back to our hotel. Okay, so you didn't point. hear them or anything. No, you weren't aware because but. we got we got to the hotel. I was trying to soak in the tub, and I heard the TV 
yeah. I heard the, the news breaking into the TV, and, and so I jumped out of the tub, and we all sat in there and watched. That, that, that was incredible. I haven't yet, I have yet to see the movie Me about either. it. I don't know if I want to yeah, or not. I, um, I'm but, debating. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there was actually a physician here from Mississippi that was mm-hmm. one of the doctors that yeah. helped save yeah, lives. Yeah, I know, Rick. And, yeah, yeah, an incredible story as well. Okay, tell me a little bit about Triathlete Magazine here. This is the reader issue, and you are sitting there in a very nice uh, running outfit. You're, how many times did they make you do that run, I, I by the way, to count. be on the cover? I lost count. I had to run back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So you did a marathon basically yeah. in, in 10 miles, yeah. 10 yeah. foot segments. So you're in San Diego, California. San Diego. So I take it there was a free trip involved there. There was. There okay. was. 400, you beat 474 people. So you must have, they must have really thought your story was pretty powerful. They did. And, you know, some the the runners up are... Some of them are in the magazine and some of them are on the website. And if, if you read their stories, it's incredibly humbling that yeah. that they would have picked me right. over these cancer survivors and military veterans. And, and there's, a, you know, there's even a blind man in there. That, really? I mean, wow. they all have incredibly compelling stories. And it's just uh, it, it's more amazing to me that they picked me. Yeah. And of course. Um, you know, and you're trying to think of maybe they should have had us all at a starting line or something, yeah, you yeah. know, doing it that way. But uh, the picture's nice. It looks just like you, yeah. amazingly. Uh, talk, talk about that because it's, it's in San Diego, but it's green. That doesn't make sense. San Diego's normally not green. Yeah, we went out to this area about 30 minutes east of, of San Diego called Mission Trails. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's typically desert, but it's been raining out there so much. It was lush and green and muddy all over the place so it was really nice that's pretty good so you went out and uh, they've actually got pictures in here you, your co-workers um they kind of roasted you a little bit didn't they there's actually a picture of what happened yeah uh, when when i got back from san diego there was a big gold star on my office door <laughs> and a sign up sheet for selfies with joey and autographs with joey and and uh they had made michael phelps sign up and lance armstrong and several other people so, and they're uh, nice to have friends yeah they, they yeah. thought they were pretty funny they were <laughs> <laughs> and of course they put it in the magazine as well on that talk about what kind of feedback have you heard from people you haven't heard from in a long time i have um you know, it's Facebook has been really wonderful yeah. through all this. Um, I've I've heard from people that, you know, I was a military brat, so I grew up all over the world. And I've heard from people that, that I haven't heard from since, right. you know, junior high and elementary school. And and uh, friends have taken pictures and said, you know, I'm in the New Newark airport and look at my there's my cousin and here's my friend and. Portland, and I, I mean, it's it's been great. Oh, that's awesome. So um, you naturally walked into the HR department at, at Energy and told them, hey, look, I'm a star now, and I need a huge raise. Yeah, and they told me just to go back to my office. They said, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, give, you, uh, we'll give you 10 kilowatts free. Yeah, We'll yeah, do something I like wish. that. <laughs> what are you training for now? A um, bunch of sprint and Olympic distance triathlons for the, for the coming year. So you're yeah. still out there competing. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I hopefully always will. Yeah. So um, what are your favorite local races? Uh, well, Heat Wave, of course, yeah. up in Ridgeland. Um, there's Memphis in May is a, a really fun one. Mm-hmm. We're going uh, up to Delta State. They have one. It's a fundraiser for their cross-country and swim team. In two weeks, we'll be going to do that one to kick off the season. Those are those are some, um, Gator Bait, actually, over in Vicksburg is really good. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's got a really enticing name. It does, and, and the awards are Gator Heads. Really? Yeah. Actual real gator heads? Alligator heads, yeah. Um, what do the gators think about that? I don't think they're real happy. I don't think so no, either. No, it's like, wait a minute. So uh, congratulations. I'm sure you're going to win one. So Hopefully. Well, I, I tell you before we wrap up, uh, any other thoughts about things? Because, I mean, 
what have you learned from all this experience that not, not only just being on cover on that and being famous, but I mean, you've been knocked down and what advice can you give about resiliency to folks? Just take it one step at a time. You know, um, when you think you're at the darkest point in your life, you got to keep moving forward. And, and uh, when you stop is when things go bad. Yeah, when you were running through the middle of the Sahara Desert, you probably never thought that you would bump into somebody as special as Casey. No, no, yeah. I figured that part was done. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. So it worked out great. Yeah. Joey, I appreciate you taking time with us today. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. How's that sound, Trita? We'll do that. And I tell you what, we're going to have Kobe Singleton will be joining us. You know, began his career here in Mississippi. Incredibly smooth, beautiful music. You're going to love him. He's going to be talking to us just next, coming up next. And you can always join in on the conversation at 877-MPB-RING. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. You can join in on the conversation at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. We'd love to hear from you as well on this fantastic Monday. Tell you what, I've had a great show so far. I want to thank Joey Lee for joining us. What a great story that was. And I tell you what, we set you up for another great story, too, because we have a guy who's basically listened to all around the world, and he's from here. And he's sitting here right now, Kobe Singleton. We were talking a little bit uh, before we got on the air. Uh, Kobe, it's it's good to see you. Hey, thanks, man. Good to yeah, see you, too. Yeah, welcome and congratulations. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate I'm just sitting it. here looking at all the things that you've had go on. and Not a lot, huh? <laughs> no, no, you've been a little bit more. I, think, I mean, is this something that obviously you, you began singing in church? I think yeah. a lot of us did. Um, some yeah. of us they told to keep singing, like you, and others they told to shut up, like me. So, uh, but you, did your parents make you sing, or is that just something that you're like, I want to do this? No, actually, I come from a community of singers. Um, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm from Florence, Mississippi. Yes. And uh, I, I attend Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church. So mm-hmm. in that community, we're known for being singers. Singers yeah. and farmers. That's it. Singers and farmers. That's it. So you chose the the singing route. Well, yeah. Whistle while you work. I mean, you know. Exactly. The choice? Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it was one of those things. Because you know, really, to truly get good at what you do, it takes a lot of practice. It, it does. I mean, everybody's got talent, but it's just taking it to the next level you know what and, and i have to say this so good is is also one of those subjective terms you yeah know? is honey good well, some people don't like honey well, if they're um, allergic to it no exactly they're laying on the ground can't <laughs> we breathe yeah right it's not so good right but uh t- not necessarily my focus as of late has not necessarily been about being good right but about understanding like really understanding right music yeah and i think that that in turn is is my plight so <laughs> understanding music better has helped me to have a better appreciation for music. You say it's your plight. Why why would it be plight? Um, Because the term of good music is so subjective. And, you know, we have so many things that the radio is infiltrating is good. This is the hottest thing. And it's just, in my personal opinion, not so far from the musical 
the right. scientific sound of music uh, is just completely unorthodox. Well, and I've, I've talked with a lot of musicians on that. And, of course, you know, and I like music. I'm a fan of it. But it seems like so much is created today through a focus group. Yeah. And, you know, everything's done, you know, auto-tune yeah. or whatever. And it's yeah. and you're like, it's it's not true. Yeah. And, and what you're going after and what it sounds like to me is what you're going after, something that's honest and true to yourself and who you are. Realistic. Yes. yes. Realistic. Yes. Uh, uh, Tom Caraba called me a purist. Ooh, I like that. Purist. That's excellent. Yeah. Nobody's ever called me. They call me a lot of things. I've never called a purist before. That's pretty cool. I mean, talk about this. You're not to be confused with a Puritan, but yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I, I like that Puritan. That's good. When you're a kid and you're up there in front of the the congregation, um, did you ever have stage fright? Yeah, I, I still do now. No, 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 no way. Yeah, every time. Like, really? there's always that set of butterflies that come in because... The, the first note, like those first sets of notes, the, yeah. that that normally is what determines for any listener whether you can or can't, That's right. good or bad. If the first few notes are off, you're like, oh boy, it's going to be a long sermon or it's going to be a long yeah. service, it's going to be a long show. But yeah, I still get it now. You know, that's true because I do a lot of speaking and I get the same butterflies and I've yeah. done it a thousand times. But you're right. The first 30 seconds of, of getting up and talking to a group. Yeah. I've you're got You're going to win them or you're going to lose them. Yeah, I've got them right now. No, no, no. It's just yes. us talking. Well, even so. at that, man. Yeah. Nervous. But do you, so, do you channel you, that energy? Yeah. Yeah. You channel it? Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to just jump in for a second. She just woke up in there. That's Sharita. <laughs> <laughs> and ass. She's rubbing her eyes. She, she's tired. She was yeah, up late I'm going to have night. some kind of allergy thing going on. So you're when allergic you're, to me. She needs some honey. That's what she needs. She needs some honey. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about you and the honey thing too, Katie. <laughs> uh, but when you are at a performance and you notice that the crowd is maybe struggling to get into you, what do you do? I mean, because me being a comedian, Marshall being a speaker, um, h- how do you re- Regain control of the crowd to, to make sure that you don't lose them at a performance. Man, she just horn. woke up, but she just came out with an Air Force One question. Oh, oh my God. God. What the heck? Because well, she has trouble winning over the crowd. That's Jesus. all it is. Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, um, she's um, trying to get some advice for her own crew. Right. That's what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, please. Listen, she needs no advice. No, I know. Very that's successful, why I'm, that's why I'm busting her chops because yeah. I know definitely know better. Um, what, what I, you know, and it depends on where you are. Here in Mississippi, uh, getting into the crowd is, as, is a learned trick. Um, so here in Mississippi, just doing familiar songs is one of the things that I've, I've found. Um, but in foreign countries or in different places, L.A., Atlanta, uh, Japan, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, those th- types of places, knowing or having a familiarity of the language is often like one of those things. They like to be talked to. People like to, you know, they mm-hmm. like to hear that you actually interact with them and so that you you're just not over, singing at them. So you went over, just walk out there and start speaking the language. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it helps. And, you know, I don't mean full sentence. You know, yeah. just, hey, mean a song. Kumbawa. It's just, oh, you can, oh, my God. You know, you yeah, yeah. Hercules. I, I, I pray you didn't just cuss, did no. you? Okay, that's good. <laughs> just checking on that. But, you know, and then what I've found on this, and I don't know if you've experienced this, if people are coming to hear you mm-hmm. and they know you and they're familiar with you, mm-hmm. that's a much different audience than if somebody's just walking into, say, if you're playing at a casino somewhere and they're just walking in with a couple of drinks and they don't know who you are. Because right. then you got to win them over because right. they don't know who you are. Well, and that's the thing I keep saying is like Mississippi is a total different place though, man. Performing yeah. in Mississippi, you always it's always like walking into a place that you have to win people over. Really? Man, Why if, is if, that? You, if you make it in Mississippi, you will make it anywhere else in the world. Mississippi is a hard, really tough market because they just they the level the bar that they set is that's so true. high that you just it's difficult and they're really hard to receive people. But it's a wonderful place. Once you, you get in, they, right? 
you can't do wrong. We do get really spoiled here, though. Seriously. I mean, because you're just sitting there going past um, a restaurant and there's Bobby Rush. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was, it's Bobby freaking Rush. Hey, I, mean, I, was, come on. I was sitting in an event like the size of this room just last night yeah. with Miss Dorothy Moore. Yeah. I mean, I know. Right, yeah, this is just the accessibility of folks around here. Just, is, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm amazing. sitting in a room right now with you and with Sharita, so yeah. there you go. So that's how I feel right now. So. Eddie, I, I had another question. You talked yeah. about performing songs that are familiar. Now, I know artists in Jackson in particular who only do original music and then some do cover music. Yeah. Where, How do you create that balance between... Uh, presenting your original music so people can appreciate you, the artist, as opposed to uh, an individual who's singing other people's songs all the time? Well, first of all, I have to give credit where credit is due. And you were a big part of this, too, helping mm -hmm. me to understand that. Because when I first came back to Mississippi, I was like, hella high water. I'm singing all my stuff, and I don't care. I'm bringing new music that Mississippi hadn't heard. And people were standing out there looking at me like crickets. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, so well, one of the things that I, that I eventually started doing, though, was uh, doing familiar tunes, but mm -hmm. with my feel. And then in infusing my original music in tunes that people already knew. Right. So, you know, just giving it some familiarity. And then once I did start to win people over and start to build up a name, then I was able to actually create my own music that sounded like uh, blues and R&B, which is, uh, you know, the new single that I have now, When I Lie. Yeah. It's, it's around that. It's a neo-soul blues uh, adult urban country you know contemporary type of vibe so kind of a little bit of gumbo yeah exactly exactly gumbo. we're gonna listen a little bit to it but how about that cool all right always talking about the things i say you never believe are true but you seem so cool to me whenever i lie to you Whatever happens in the dark will always come to light. Girl, you don't believe the truth over a bold face lie. When I lie to you, you're always cool, but when I tell you the truth, you never believe a thing. That's when I lie. I tell you what, that's really incredible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really, not, really nice. And it's, it's like I said, there's, there's little bits and pieces that you yeah. recognize, but then again, you put a little bit of your own spin on it too. Yeah. Your voice is great. I'm, Thank number you. one, I'm jealous of your speaking voice, just to let you know that. Uh, but, then, but then you sing too. Yeah, it's like you funny man. I know. It's like okay, maybe uh, my next life, I'll come back with your voice. That'd be great. And you can draw. We'll we'll just trade talents. How about that? Japan, yeah, of man. all places, why Japan and how Japan? Because well, Japan was uh, not actually the first place. It was the first. Uh, International place. My first place was actually Atlanta. Atlanta. I went to Atlanta and did Which has got a heck of a music scene to begin with. But it's nothing compared to what it was when I was coming through. That was in, uh, in 98, yeah, 99. Right. It, that was just the, that was the dawn of neo soul music. Um, um, you had Algebra Blessed, Music Soul Child, mm -hmm. Jill Scott, uh, Erica Badu. Yeah. Um, Oh my God! NDRE had just gotten signed with Motown, and she, you know, she was coming out of ATL. The, the same songs that are on her album are the same songs she was going around the clubs. Two Night Cafe, Two Ninety. Uh, at that time, it was called Yin Yang. Mm -hmm. She was going around the clubs singing those same songs, man. Her original stuff, she was killing. Uh, yeah, the Chronicles, uh, Lil John, who toured with uh, Janet Jackson on the Velvet Rope tour. Yeah. I mean, it was just bands beyond me. So I was in that whole movement. That was uh, doing the uh, spoken word. 
You know, I yeah. don't know if you all remember that. It was the big spoken word movement that they had. Yeah. That, that, that was in that movement. So that was my first stop. But after that, uh, it was either Japan or bust. I was going to, if really? it didn't make it in Japan, I was going to do Germany. That was the next on the stop. And if I didn't yeah. do Germany, then I was going to China. So it was just luck of the draw. So, I mean, you just, how did, I mean, how'd you do that? Was it your agent or how did you figure out? What, how do you figure <laughs> you out where to go? Agent? Okay. <laughs> right. okay. But no, so you're doing the business side on top of yeah, doing the creative man, too. Yeah, doing everything. Wow. Uh, I, I, I sold all my worldly possessions. Like I had nothing. I had two suitcases of clothes and that was it. And I was going to make it or go on to the next. All right, kids, if you're listening right now and you really want to have a dream, <laughs> this is how you chase it right yeah. here. So you literally gave up everything. Everything. I, I used to work for it, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say this anymore. Probably people that I t- busted aren't even, you know, probably doing drugs anymore. I used to work for the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics. Yeah, I was an undercover narc. I, I, I'm I'm totally innocent here. <laughs> this was water, I yeah, promise. Right? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, you know, I did that and once, you know, I gave up the 401k and, you know, did a lot of stuff with DCEP, which is a federal agency. I bought yeah. a lot of, did a lot of work with uh, FBI, DEA. So, yeah. um, I was, I gave it all up, man. We're going to continue this conversation because I tell you what, this is, this has been a lot of fun so far. Right now, uh, Kobe Singleton's with us, of course, talking about his amazing career. And, of course, his, we'll talk about his new album as well. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Joined in the studio by Kobe Singleton. I tell you what... um, some amazing music, and we've been listening listen to When I Lie a little bit earlier off the new album. These are the latest str- singles. I guess the other one's The Struggle as well. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. All right, so you moved to Japan. Yeah. What was that like? Because that's, I mean, culturally, that's uh, another planet. I mean, totally crowded. <laughs> it's busy. Um what, how were you received when you first when you first arrived? Uh, I was a nobody. Yeah, like a bum. Uh, I, when I moved to J- uh, Japan, uh, I was there was supposed to be someone that was meeting me at the airport. They didn't yeah. show up. I walked around the airport for an hour looking for somebody to that before I could sign. find somebody who even spoke enough English so I could tell them where I wanted to go. Oh wow! And once I found someone, they ch- directed me to the train. I got on the train. And when I got on the train, let's check this out for mm-hmm. how divine, how divine, you know, uh, divine yeah. probability. Uh, so as I got on the train, there was an African American guy, and he came up to me and he said, "Hey, man, what's up?" And I was like, "Hey." He's like, "Where are you going?" I said, "I'm going to Pickford. I want to go to Pickford." He's like, "Oh, that's where I'm going. I'm working here tonight. Follow me." Wow. Did you, did you see wings or anything no, on his back? Man, he turned out to be one of my greatest mentors in in uh, in Japan. What did he his do? Name is Glennis mean, Martin. Yeah, he's uh, his son is famous. Uh, he sang with a, a group, and I forget. I think they were called Seven. I forget. I forget the name of the group. I don't want to desecrate it. But anyway, his name is Glennis Martin Jr. Yeah, and uh, but needless to say, he's great. You bumped into 
him and a million people out of a million people, people on a train at six to seven o'clock at night. Yes. Wow. So it was meant to be. It was divine intervention. So I love this right here. Um, You've come out with the CU project. It was, it was Boko Desu. Did I get that correct? Boko, Boko Desu. Thank you, because I just desecrated the name of the song. <laughs> I apologize. I mean, the, the album. I appreciate it. But his songs uh, both English and Japanese. Correct. And it, I love that. Tell us about the title that you earned from it. Uh, well, I got mocked by a lot of people because it's basically what? Boku Desu. Nobody would. I'm a foreign artist, yeah. so uh, nobody would name their. No Japanese person would actually name their. It's me. That's what it translates. It, okay. This is me. This is me. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, it was funny. Um, but and then when people started hearing the music, it was a total different thing. They're like, "Oh God!" So it turned out to be a joke. But for a joke, it looked like for yeah. a lot of people, it looked like it was a joke. But it turned out to be real serious. But it stopped them long enough to listen to it. It stopped them long enough to listen to it, and it also earned me the title of the first uh, neo J soul foreign neo J soul artist. When neo when J soul J neo soul wasn't even a, a genre at that time. Well, t- tell everybody what that is. J Neo Soul is basically Japanese uh, Neo Soul, yeah. new, new Soul. Yeah. And uh, it's a combination of English and Japanese, but not spoken or sung traditionally like Japanese. Right. And I don't mean like Inca, but I mean, or I'm talking about literally changing the whole feel or flow of how intonation of words. So it, it, I really created like my new, an, an own, a new form of singing Japanese. So, uh, so, yeah. so things came on at that point like a tsunami, although I probably shouldn't say that because it's kind of a bad word over in Japan <laughs> yes, right I, now. I'm not going to laugh because that is... No, that's yeah, very yeah, bad. Yeah, Were you yeah. over there during that time? Uh, I was not. Okay. I was not. Dude, but that Fukushima, that was, uh, oh, that was pretty devastating. I, Still I is, people, yeah. I, I actually toured in Japan uh, with a Japanese artist, uh, AI, yeah. after that happened. And uh, man, it was just devastating. It just little... took out a whole towns. Yeah. It was just incredible. Yeah. How did you get back home? Well, obviously airplane. Um, no, that would no. be my first guess. <laughs> well, I met met my manager, mm-hmm. uh, Robbie Danzi, a prodigy international. Love you, Robbie. And uh, she said, you know, you, you, we got to go back home. If you're gonna if you're gonna seriously do music, most you know everybody goes back to America. She said, if you look over the history, the Beatles, you know, the Josh Stones, yeah. they all come back to America. The Rolling Stones, they all come to America. You've got to go back. So we packed up and uh, did you know move to Beverly. Yeah. So that's what we did. That's incredible. Yeah. And, of course, you're a little bit closer to the root now. There's just yeah. so much to tap into. Not a little bit. A lot. Yeah. A lot has changed. So uh, here I am. Well, it's good to have you back home. Thank you, brother. I'm so glad do you have a new home. album? Are you working on a new album or you just have a couple singles out right now? Yeah, I'm working. Uh, I actually, it's it's singles. There, It's an album. I've completed a full album, but I'm working on uh, singles. I'm releasing them as singles. Uh, we found it, that it was more advantageous to release the project as singles uh, because people are more apt to buy into singles as Isn't opposed to buying a whole album. Yeah. You spend all that money on it, don't recoup the, mo- the money fully, or people are not buying because you're competing with major artists that have major dollars. Yeah. So uh, we're releasing them individually, independently. So I saw you put, uh, every once in a while, you'll put things on Facebook. I see you are uh, transitioning into this new digital age when it comes to your music. And I wanted to play this clip that I found on social media of yours, and I thought it was really, really impressive. So you, you're, you're using an app, oh, uh, hashtag Melody Lab. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I want folks to hear this because it's, uh, it really is a testament to how good you are with harmony. So. Okay. <laughs> Let our 
those voices are yours. Yeah, yeah those are all you. Amazing. That's all me. <laughs> yeah. So, ha- have you found it challenging as an as an artist to, uh, you know, keep up with social media and this this new wave of music and the way it's uh, operating? Um, no, it, it hasn't been difficult. You know what? Keeping up. Um, what has been the most difficult part is finding out where I fit into all of it. Mm. Um, because you've got so many people to compete against now. It used to be my, my only worries were to compete with people who were major. Right. That was like, you know, I was competing with it. But now it makes it so accessible for people to get on, you know, instrumentations or apps like uh, Melody Lab. And you've just got all kinds of things that people have to filter through until they can actually get to your music. Right. You know, as a sincere artist, this is what I do for a living. This is not a hobby. This is not something I do on, you know, Saturday or Friday after I get off of work. This is what I do Monday through Sunday. So it has made it more difficult, uh, Rita, to, to get to get just recognized. Well, I think you're doing a great job. Yeah, so. definitely. And that's that's why it's even more important for you to be yourself. Yeah. It truly is. And Katie does unique. make honey. Like, he got, has pictures with bees and things. Like, he's a real <laughs> farmer. Oh, that's, that's why the whole honey thing came yeah, up. It yeah. makes sense now. Yeah, All right. Man. Very good. Well, next time I'll make you bring us some. So Absolutely, Marshall. Thanks, man. I love this. Thank you for being in here today. Thank you, brother. I appreciate, appreciate it. All right. We're going to wrap it up. I want to thank Sharita for producing, as always, a fantastic show. I want to thank Joey Lee and, of course, I want to thank Kobe for being in as well. This is a great show, and we'll do this again next week. Coming up next is Southern Remedy. This is Now You're Talking. Y'all have a great week.